Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burger Master. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burger Master is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burger Master on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everyone, it's Brian. The real estate market is crazy. Finding an agent you can trust isn't easy. Thankfully, the one thing I'm more certain of than Brian Schottenheimer calling a running play on second and long is that you can trust John Hurlbut and his team in Altitude Homes. I know John personally, and nobody does it better in Pierce, South King, and Thurston County. So head on over to altitude-re.com HB to get real estate help you need. That's altitude-re.com HB. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. Again, that's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks! Hey all Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S. and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com, click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. Hello, everybody. Welcome to, uh, I have no idea what number episode this is. 116. It's 116. Of course it is. Uh, I'm Brian Nemhauser, ad hoc blogger on Twitter. Uh, we've got the whole crew tonight, um, and it's going to be it's gonna be a show, folks. Um, <laughs> it is uh, uh, a lot going on in the world. Um, uh, not most of it having to do with your Seattle Seahawks, but we are going to talk all about Seahawks tonight. Um, let me bring in the fellows here. We've got uh, at Nathan Ernst. Oh, sorry. We've got Nathan Ernst at Nathan E11 on Twitter. How you doing, Nathan? Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing well. You know, I, I feel like you will judge me for this. I've got, you know, we got this problem with masking here but i have got an ipa it looks like glass. some kind of a hazy ipa it's a it's an ipa in a pilsner glass I, I feel like you would have a problem with that oh i have no rules on that kind of thing okay yeah. that's good. good to know it's it's excellent georgetown Bodie ipa very oh the Bodie zaffa yeah yeah very good yes very good what's the, um, uh brian what's the drink you love it's like uh oh, moscow mule i had like four of those on election yeah. night <laughs> Alex was just pouring them. I'm sorry. I do you I have the bronze, say, the bronze glass or whatever the the we do, the we do, Popper. we Is put it, it on, we put it on our freaking uh, wedding registry and put a really expensive one and made other people pay for it. It was amazing. That's one of those where I'm sure if you did blind tests, like a hundred <laughs> out of a hundred, nobody would tell the difference. But it absolutely makes a difference to have it out of the. It does. You fill it with ice. It's cold. You yeah, put yeah, a little yeah. lime on there. Like everything, just like that drink. Easy, good, like does the job. It's 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 fantastic. Um, as 
Evan can tell you a little. I think Nathan could as well. I, I do tend to get a little belligerent when I've had a few drinks, so I can't promise I will behave myself tonight. Um, I will do my best to keep my language PG. Uh, I don't know if I can promise the same for our next host. Uh, Evan Hill at Evan in SEA. How are you? I'm doing great. I, and I just want to let the audience know that if, if Brian says a word that, you know, really deeply offends you, you can email him about it. You know, it, it's not just me. If I say an offensive word, you know, you can email Brian. But if Brian says a really bad word, I encourage you to email him. You know why, folks, what the reason Evan is saying <laughs> that is because I regularly share with the crew the amount of complaints I get mostly about Evan. <laughs> and it's like, that guy, what, what is going on? I will never watch the show. The, the funniest thing is, I've, I think like 70% of our the audience wouldn't watch the show if you weren't here. Oh, but that's probably, bullshit. There's probably oh. another 70% of people that would watch the show if you weren't here. So like it, it's an there interesting was, challenge. There was somebody in the YouTube comments or for our last show that was saying that you are too good for us. You need to split off. We're dragging you down. Start your own show. Uh, to I don't me know. or to Brian? No, to you. Me? Oh, yeah. you're, the, you're the star of the show. You're the one that makes it go. We're dead weight. <laughs> you. Guys, I just take a couple drinks every Wednesday and show up here. <laughs> There's not really? too much. I, that's shocking to find out. <laughs> You All right. Uh, uh, let me take that as a moment to bring in uh, our last co-host, uh, the the man, the myth, the Canadian legend himself, uh, Jeff Simmons at Real Jeff Simmons on Twitter. How are you, man? I think things must be totally normal up north. Yeah, <laughs> I never felt more Canadian than I have this week. And just reading your guys' thread all day, and I'm trying to I'm trying to keep up. And I just find it so fascinating. I'm like, I'm so far out of the loop in terms of what you guys are talking about all day on this stuff. So I've actually learned a lot and it's been pretty cool just to following all like the different state updates. And so I I don't know. I found this week really interesting so far, just as the lone Canadian. Jeff, can I ask you a question? Yeah. It's not a political, political question. It's logistical. I'm a couple drinks in, bitch. Uh, Jeff, <laughs> how, how do how do how do presidential elections or whatever the heck you have as your leader in Canada work? Is it is it like by territory or is it just a you know like a national vote count? Like egg stands. <laughs> what's the like condensed? It's like a maple syrup percent? contest. Yes. Oh my God. No, it's it's very similar. It's very similar. It's just. It's a much less interesting version of what you guys do. Canadian politics is one of the least interesting things. It's, it's like a, it's a joke. It's a running joke about how boring Canada politics is and how no one outside of Canada would ever follow it. The so guy do you guys who, like have your own version of electoral votes? Is that it? We do, and it's not okay. great. And like our prime minister right now is kind of a joke. And like you were talking about earlier before the show about a guy who got like a Trump's million dollar loan. Our guy is like another... It's like a super rich guy, like good looking guy who has like zero political skills. He's just like a complete figurehead. And like Trump always picks on him. He's kind of a running joke. So I don't want to make fun of other politics or even t- spend any time talking about Canadian politics because it will put all our listeners to sleep. So again, your, your, your country is much more interesting. I don't want to get into Canada politics. It is boring. Yeah, we're going to steer clear as much as we can uh, of, of what you call interesting, Jeff, uh, political conversations on, on this side of the, uh, 
the the border. Um, guys, I had a weird experience tonight. I have to share it. Oh boy! I turned on the 49ers against the Packers. <laughs> I watched too much of that. And and first of all, it just felt weird. I was like, football felt like a foreign like concept i was like what is going on i have no idea what's happening in this in this game and then the 49ers like made a play and i actually found myself like excited it was a i I don't know if i've ever felt that way about the 49ers but i i just really they have no they really pose no threat to the seahawks at this point they've been defanged and the packers do pose a threat. Um, and, and as evidence tonight, you know, it, it looks like the end of the 49ers for this season. Uh, how, how are you guys feeling coming out of that game this weekend? Um, Jeff, you want to start with start the, the, the 49er conversation? Yeah, I also watched a lot of that game too much tonight, probably more than I should have, but I'm in one of these pools that if you pick one team to win a week, you advance. So I picked against San Francisco. So I actually watched way too much of that game they're 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 just they have nothing left the the Seahawks broke them and they they were they were like they were starting to gain some momentum and with the COVID stuff and then the injuries they they were playing basically a practice squad roster tonight and watching them was almost sad and like I kind of agree with you Brian like I kind of was just cheering for them just they, they felt so sad and they were such underdogs it was honestly painful to watch how hold bad they on are Hold up. Yeah. Are you exuding empathy for the 49ers? No, I felt bad. Like, I felt bad about how sad their roster looked. But, like. So you felt bad for them? Yeah, they look pathetic. I'm going to give you a chance to reevaluate what you just said. Well, I didn't feel. Yeah, I guess. Okay, I'll take it back. Fuck them. Yeah. Don't don't, don't let him bully you, Jeff. You're allowed to have your own independent perspective. Oh, like, I hate Aaron Rodgers. I hate Green Bay. I can't stand them. They're competing with the Seahawks. So this version of the Niners, I kind of felt bad if they had Nick Bosa playing or Sherman playing. Jeff, fuck them to hell. I just don't. I don't like injuries. I don't like these COVID things. Like, if it was the actual 49ers, then yeah. But, like, this this was kind of a sad. I will take demise any way I can get it. Okay, okay. Like, it just was pathetic. It was so sad to watch how, what they're trotting out in the field. Well, Evan, you kind of answered my question for you, which is, like, <laughs> <laughs> I know how you feel about Aaron Rodgers. I know how you feel about the 49ers. How do you approach a game like this? Well, let me start off with a take. Let me, let me start off with, it's sort of a question take. And I actually want to go round robin with you guys. If Nick Mullins had started the entire season, you know where I'm going with this. Do the Niners have a better record going into that Seattle game last week? No. Than they do with Jimmy G? No, that's an easy no. Brian's a no? Nathan? I mean, they're getting murdered by the Packers right now. They've scored 10 points. So. I mean, they'd be getting murdered with Jimmy G, right? No, they had it. They just won two in a row. They beat the Rams, which is a good team. and Not they... because of Jimmy G. But they beat Well, Jimmy G also missed, I think, three games in that winning Sure, streak. sure. It's just hard to look at Nick Mullins and say they're going to be a whole lot better. Did you see Nick Mullins play tonight? I don't think you watched him play tonight. I mean. You didn't. Admit it. 
No, I definitely did not. You did not. I did not. I did not realize. I did not realize there was a football game on till like an hour ago. <laughs> to be honest with you, you saved yourself. That was. So it, wh- I'm. I'm not declaring a correct answer either way. I'm just posing a question for the crowd, and you're feel feel free to discuss amongst yourselves. But I think it's a worthy question. See, that's the thing though. It drives me a little crazy because what that does is I feel like it it. It almost gives an excuse for the 49ers. And, no, it absolutely does not. No. And, it, and, it, and it diminishes, I think, what the Seahawks did this weekend, which I, I, I just – I think Nick Mullins is – yes, he played well against the Seahawks for a few snaps. He is not good. Like, he's not good. And, and like, the 49ers have already had this happen during this season. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was not playing well. They bring in Nick Mullins. Or Jimmy Garoppolo gets injured, they bring in Nick Mullins. And then Nick Mullins isn't playing well, so they bring in C.J. Beathard. He doesn't play well, so they go back to Nick Mullins. They all suck. Like, so I, I just think that that's the thing. And, and like, to say Nick Mullins would have made a difference, I think, takes away from the reality that the 49ers this year, man, I don't know if I've ever seen a team more snake-bitten injury-wise than, I mean, in terms of not just the number of injuries, but it's like, if you listed their top 15 players, how many of those are still on the field? So they, they showed a stat tonight during the game. Not one player who touched the ball in the NFC Championship last year for the Niners was playing tonight. They said that has <laughs> never happened before in NFL history. They showed every single player that had a touch in that game. None of them were playing tonight. I think the cool part of that Seahawk game from like a bitterness and petty perspective, I think that was the game that broke oh, it broke 49ers fan on Jimmy G. I think that was the game where they just finally came to their senses that this guy is shit. I mean, Nathan, I think it's not only, I, I agree with you, Jeff, but, but Nathan, I don't think it's only the Jimmy G part. Like we've been seeing the, on repeat, the replays of DK Metcalf getting, hit by the 49ers and them bouncing off and getting injured. I feel like when I mean, this defense was still the, the, the kind of the backbone or the personality of that team, the Seahawks destroyed them this past weekend. And that defense looked like they lost all will to play. I don't know. I'm guessing you probably didn't watch much of tonight, but like, yeah, what's, what's, what's your, What's your perspective on on uh, where the 49ers go from here? I was kind of thinking about that. Like, <clears throat> you know, if you had tuned into a, a Niners podcast like four or five games into the 2015 Seahawks season, <clears throat> how much would be like similar to what we're saying right now, right? Uh, but I, I don't think that they're just, you know, a center change, right? Uh, getting Drew Nowak out of there, right? I mean, their 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 defense is in tatters. Um, Seattle shredded it. Green Bay shredded it tonight. Um, Garoppolo looks like a shell of himself. Mullins does not look like a diamond in the rough. They have a million injuries across, like, every unit, basically, at this point. So... I don't know where they go from here. And, I, and I'm not saying that just to be like a, a homer or anything. Like they're just so devastated by injuries. Like you're saying, they're, they're completely snake bit. I don't know how they, you know, unless they kind of get a lot of people right at the right time and then go on a run. I don't know what they can do from here out. Well, you know, the one thing the 49ers have done well. What's that? They have tanked. 
They have tanked really <laughs> well. They got Nick Bosa by being really bad. You know, they got Eric Armstead. They got DeForest Buckner by being bad. And it looks like that's what's happening the rest of this this year. I think they're going to go – I think they're going to have, you know, six, seven wins. Is, yeah. I mean, that's, that's not – over pick, though. Yeah, I was going to say, that's not enough to get you Trevor There's Lawrence. There's a lot or, of bad no, teams. No, but it year. could be a top 10 pick, right? Yeah, but – There's well, a lot of bad teams. And this is not the year to tank, probably. I don't know. Justin Fields, pretty good. Yeah. Well, but... I think if, if you're the Niners, you want to try to pull in Dak, right? I mean, this is still a team that should be good when everyone's healthy. But uh, so I don't know. I mean, maybe you look at something like that. Who knows? But not a great year to tank of all the years to tank. I would agree with that. that because they're all coming out this now. The Jets have zero wins. The Jaguars, the Texans have one win. The Giants have one win. The Cowboys have two wins. The Vikings have two wins. The Falcons have two wins. That's a lot of teams they got to mm. get under. They're probably around. Right. That's, that's a good point, yeah. Jeff. I know we're talking a lot about the Fort Niners, and we'll, we'll talk yeah. about the Seahawks here in a bit. But but uh, <laughs> it's really nice to bathe in 49ers tears for a little bit. So they just got to take a second there. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I think it's, it's interesting that – a lot of the guys that I thought that, that were going to be the story, like Jason uh, Verrett, he didn't do well. Like last, last, this past week against the Seahawks didn't do well tonight. Like, I don't think he's the quite the breakout star. They thought he was um, Eric Armstead who they bet on instead of DeForest Buckner Ugh. does not look like the right guy to have bet on DeForest Buckner looks like a beast in Indianapolis. Armstead does not. Javon Kinlaw, their high, you know, interior lineman pick this year does not look good. He looks like another Solomon Thomas, who was a high pick for them that didn't work out. So what has been, in, in my mind, the best roster in the league, and to some extent they proved it again this year with all the injuries, and they were still competitive up until this past weekend. I think there's some questions there. And we, you know, you can assume Nick Bosa comes back and is great, but you don't know for sure. And and uh, anyway, it's going to be interesting. I, I think – I don't know about you guys. I think it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's an automatic win, but I, you know, I certainly am not fearing playing the 49ers when the Seahawks go back down there. Um, what is it? Week 17. Yeah. I was going to say there's two things here. One, I, I think, you know, it's not probably too early to bury them for this year. <clears throat> um, and, and but this is still a team, like all the guys that you talked about, right? Kinlaw. I mean, he's just a rookie. Armstead's still young. Bosa will be going into year three. Ayuk will be a second-year player next year. Samuel will be going into year three. You know, a lot of these guys are still young. Mostert's still young. Okay, I mean, so you're, ta- you're talking about moving forward. You're not talking about this year. Right. I'm saying this okay. year Got you it. can probably bury them for the most part, and that's pretty safe. But this is still a team that's going to be competitive in years to come. Yeah. Um, and the, But the other thing that's scary is if they can manage to stay competitive – and maybe beat some bad teams by the time week 17 rolls around this team might be in a lot better shape so they they could be a, a much tougher team week 17 than what we saw last i week. would have agreed with you there and you still might be right but like there was a report out today d ford not recovering well enough from his shoulder likely out for the year like uh sherman who was supposed to come back earlier in the year they're like he's not gonna be back until at least week 11 do they end up just shutting those guys down? Like, 
do those guys choose not to shut themselves down? Maybe like, I don't know. It's possible, but I don't know that I see the George Kittle maybe out for the year. We don't know. He, he thinks he's going to be back earlier. They think it might. Anyway. So I guess we'll find out there, but the reason I think we're spending this much time on the 49ers, besides the fact that they're our chief rival and overall, um, and we just played them and destroyed them, which was super satisfying is that's still the most talented roster, you know, in this division. I think it's, it's more talented than the Seahawks roster. If I had to pick one of them other than quarterback, for sure. I think the 49ers roster overall when healthy is better. Um, so, so I think it's, it's significant that that team is struggling the way that they're struggling this year. I think it's also significant to note. It's not easy coming off of the Super Bowl. You know, and I, th- I still think we take it for granted what the Seahawks were able to do going back to back Super Bowls, um, you know, and, and that's tough to do. It's really tough to do. That bing, bing, Niner game completely underestimated the difficulty of repeating good seasons coming off of, you know, what you just said. Uh, Brian, I want to ask you this. Do you yeah. think the Niners resign Richard Sherman? He's in the I last don't. year of his deal. He's yeah, I don't. So I, I kind of wonder what's going to happen there. I mean, I think that they would, they would potentially think about it. I think Sherman would probably come back there, but I think they've got a lot of young corners that they could probably keep around for cheaper. And I just wonder if Sherman could get more elsewhere. I, I'll tell you what, I know it won't happen. Very unlikely to happen. I would swear to God, I would take Sherman over either of our starting corners. Oh, not even close, not even close. Nathan, use your big boy. Oh, stop it. You would not take Shaquille Griffin over Richard Sherman today. I I have not seen Richard Sherman in like several months. And the last thing I saw him do was uh, give up a pretty big play in a Super Bowl. Like, why are we? Like like Shaquille Griffin wouldn't or or Quentin Dunbar. Like, like they're, you know. Sure, but why I would not just assume that Sherman's going to come back and be better than than quill here's the thing though sherman has never been a physical specimen that is not how he has been the player he is he's he's cerebral he reads routes he jumps routes and and he plays the the go route as well as any player in the nfl i i think he's a guy that if he wants to can play into his mid-30s at corner and be effective um sure i'm not saying that sherman's bad or anything i just i don't know that quill is suddenly that much like I don't know. I I, th- I think that that's it's it's not a not even close kind of deal. For well, let me put it this way, Nathan. If you could have Sherman at six million dollars or seven million dollars, uh, or maybe it's eight million dollars, or Quill at fourteen million dollars, what do you what do you want? And uh, one's on a short term deal, and one's on a three or four year deal. Yeah, I'm probably gambling and going with Sherman on a short term. Exactly right. I don't think that's a hard decision. No, I don't think Shaquille's pulling that with how he's playing right now, even from an outside team. I really don't. We'll see. We'll see. Um, so uh, that's actually a good segue. Uh, we should talk a little bit about the injury situation. And let's start with the good news. Um, guys, Jamal Adams, <laughs> he's practicing. Uh, that's got to be at least worth a first round pick, um, that he's back on the, on the practice field. Uh, we also are getting back, um, uh, are not getting worth back. something like 
two first round picks, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, he's got to earn the second first round pick on the day of the game. Okay. But uh, uh, we also not getting back, but we are adding Carlos Dunlap. And there's a couple others to note. We should probably be getting back Rasheem Green. But who are you more excited to see get on the field for the Seahawks this weekend? And it appears that Carlos Dunlap will play this weekend. That's at least how Pete Carroll has described it. Are you more excited to see Carlos Dunlap? Are you more excited to see Jamal Adams? Jeff, where are you at on this one? Uh, that's our question. I'll, I'll go Dunlap just because of how inept the pass rush has been. And to see like an actual NFL pass rusher on our team, considering what we've been watching in the last seven or eight weeks, to me, that's just so exciting. And Jamal, I think we've kind of oh, got a little ex- we got a little excited about Ryan Neal when he was out and they were playing a little better initially without him. And we've kind of forgot about how good this guy was and like how good his first game was and some of the tackles he made. But man, to see like an actual NFL pass rusher on this D line, I'm so excited for it. I'm going to go with Dunlap. All right. Nathan, where are you? Adams or Dunlap? Oh, it's Rasheem Green all the way. 100%. <laughs> He was the number one sack. The number one sack getter last year. No one sacked like Rasheem Green sacked on the Seahawks last year. I don't believe you. I am. Of the three edge rushers, Dunlap, Adams, and Green, I'm most excited to see Rasheem Green get back on the field. I don't believe you. You're trolling. He can play inside. He can play outside. That is is alcohol speaking. That is not true. That is alcohol speaking. He's young. He's got potential. He's athletic. Shut the hell up, Mr. Fake Optimist. (laughs) That's not true at all. (laughs) He is one of the least interesting pass rushers ever. You're lying to me. This isn't you. No, I like Rasheem Green. I don't why, don't. why wouldn't I like Rasheem Green? He's fun. I mean, it's probably Adams. I don't know if Adams in that. I, I will forever be chasing that Falcons game version of Jamal Adams. Like, yes, that was incredible. That was. I think I said it was one of the best defensive play, like individual defensive performances that I've seen in a long time, and that includes a lot of really great defenders on this team. So, I'll I'll be chasing that forever. I like Rasheem Green. I want to see this guy develop. He was extremely young, extremely physically talented. He took a step last year. I want to see if he can take another step this year. I'm really excited to see Rasheem Green again. I mean, he's just re- legitimately, like, it probably is Adams and then Dunlap and then Green for me. But, like, <laughs> Green is exciting to get back. I, I don't know what he'll do. I'm not telling you he's going to be great, but he's exciting. That's shocking to me a little bit. I, I find Rasheem Green to be... Like, exceptionally mediocre that's so insanely that's completely wrong he is an he is a pure upside player will he be good maybe not maybe like he, he could be terrible Since but when have you been a regime green stan forever i've always what? Liked this is true. like this is like the Trevor homer travis homer Trevor defenders homer. on twitter like what's going on here no no evan no. i'm gonna stand up for nathan i remember when he was drafted that Nathan was a fan of Rasheem Green from the beginning. Rasheem Green let's, has a ton of talent. A ton. Let's go back. Let's yeah. look. What the hell is this podcast? I'm sorry if you haven't been paying attention to Rasheem Green, Evan, but here's the deal. They drafted him when he was, what, 20? Oh, my God. He was yeah, 20. Yeah, super young. Super so, young. He was so 20. He's young. He was coming off a 10-sack season, and I'm pretty sure he was a, a three-sigma athlete, right? Or he was pushing that. Like, he was, like, he was sparked out of his mind. He's still he's 23. Incredibly yeah. interesting as a prospect. 
he he's I mean he's incredibly raw or when he, he was when he drafted he needs to take big steps but like this is a guy who legitimately has like a trajectory like an upside that is like a, a really he could potentially be a very important player to this team and the biggest upside selling point of Rasheem Green is that he came out of his mother's womb more recently than LJ Collier that's what you're telling me that's a big deal I mean that matters and no, he was also like insanely more physically talented and produced more than LJ Collier ever did in a single season. Like, I, I don't disagree with your general notion. I, I just find like the progress we saw from Machine Green last year was promising. It was good. It was not what I would call a flash. It was not where it was like, okay, this guy is... He went, he was not Frank Clark from, you know, first year to second year where you see this clear trajectory. I think Rasheem Green's trajectory right now is a productive rotational pass rusher, which is cool. You're saying this group loves rotational pass rushers. Well, yeah. I mean, let's not get started on Quentin Jefferson. That'll be the rest of the podcast. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess for me to be excited about Rasheem Green, I'd have to see something where I was like, oh, this guy is actually a starting defensive end who's capable of, eight to 10 sacks, you know, at least at, at like a, at a ceiling, he might get there. I don't think that's out of the question, but to me, Rasheem Green is like, you know, a four to six sack guy. probably. So, um, in most so Brian, Rasheem Green, fully healthy. Where does he rank as a pass rusher in Seattle's current unit? <laughs> I mean, uh, that's not a trick question. I'm like, genuinely I know, curious. I know. Like he probably top three. Who would you put ahead? Well, Dunlap. Yeah, okay. For sure. And we were talking about specifically defensive linemen. I mean, if I, if I expand it out, you know, to Bobby. No, and no, no, no. All no. And, and those kind of guys. But um, big fat guys in the trenches. That's the parameter. I still would put Benson Mayoa above him. I know you guys think that's crazy, but I would put Mayoa above him. I'm still mad at him. Why are you mad at him, Jeff? I'm still mad at him for that fucking offside penalty. Oh, okay. That's fair. I haven't got over that yet. I, I would have been willing to cut him. I, I'm still mad about that. Ooh. Yeah. He's I lost mean, me. I'm Benson Mayo's in my doghouse. <laughs> Even though he is, Jeff, isn't he top three? Like, is there, I mean, would you put LJ Collier or, you know, Brian like Robinson? Alvin yeah. Robinson. Alton Robinson. That's a good one. That's who I, I was going to say, too. Just purely as a pass rusher. That's I think who he's better I than Mayo as a pass rusher. Yeah. He might, he might be. He might be. Um, I mean, look, I, ho- I hope you're right. I hope that Rasheem Green comes back as a contributor. Like, no doubt about it. Um, <laughs> well, I'll say this, too. Exciting is maybe the wrong word. I'm excited to see him. I don't know that he is an exciting player yet super interested to see him right he's very interesting he is a guy that if he can continue to go on the trajectory that they probably hoped for him when they drafted him like he could be another like impact type player now i'm not really expecting that this year because of the slow start that he's had with the injury and everything but like i'm really really hopeful for him to continue to show growth once he kind of gets his feet back under him and and you know is back in playing shape and if he can do that that's a big deal there's at least a yellow flag with him with this injury, though. It was a stinger shoulder. Yep, sure. He's been out a while. Like those, those, those used to be things you say, oh, you got a stinger. He'll be back next game or, you know, even the next quarter. Now you're like, oh, 
his career might not be that long. So that's one to watch. Um, Snacks Harrison, guys. I mean, is he ever going to suit up? Like, I, I, I look at the, the way Pete talks about it and even the way Snacks talks about it on Twitter. It's gone from being totally clear that he's just eventually going to, um, you know, be on the roster to, you know, now maybe he has to outplay or, you know, Puna Ford or Brian Monet or someone have to be injured. Like, is there a chance he's just going to stick on the practice squad? Like, or do you expect that he's finally going to be promoted sometime soon? Like what's going to be the impetus to move him up? And when he moves up, who snaps is, is snacks taking Jeff? Yeah. I've kind of gotten that feeling and the way they keep mentioning is that he's kind of clearly the number three nose tackle on the roster. And they, I think Brian Monet's play has, and we've joked about him all off season and, I think he's been pretty good. And I think they view him as the, like the insurance nose tackle. So he might not be on the roster for, he might be hanging around for a while and he seems okay with it, which is a little surprising. It's weird because teams have been offering to sign him to their active roster. Like why, why would he be okay being a practice squad player for the Seahawks? Like what about that? What's that? I think he spent so his whole career on bad teams. He's this is the first time he's been on a good team, and I think yeah. But but Tampa Bay wanted to sign him. It wasn't like some shit team wanted to sign him. Like he, he, he be... tweeted out the other day, though. You know when he was inactive before the Niner game, and he was like, "Hey," he basically <laughs> said, "Shut up, everybody. I know my body, and I will play when I'm ready." And so I don't think this is anything to do with him not having a chance. I think Seattle will activate him as soon as probably he is ready. To be activated right um and so the idea that like he would jump ship at this point like i mean why he he could have signed anywhere he chose to came here he's working himself into shape he uh is an older guy at this point he had no preseason right i mean so it, it makes a ton of sense to me that that he and that the team is just like yeah take three four five weeks whatever we'll get you for the like the last third of the season in the playoffs Right. And, and, and you'll be at top shape. We're not going to rush you back. Have you play poorly? Have you get hurt? Right. I mean, there's no rush on really. I mean, you can say that there's a rush on Seattle's side, but like snacks is not going to, he's not a pass rusher. And and that's really where this team probably needs the most help. And so it, it's not like he's going to be a huge difference maker today and you'd rather have him fresh. You don't want him to get hurt. And he, he has said he, his body's not ready. So there's just no reason to, to force this. I know that we all want him to get back and see if he really is one of the best defensive linemen on this team, but why? I mean, they're six and one and like there, there's, there's no reason to be hitting like emergency buttons at this point. Because I want to see a defensive <laughs> lineman. And I, I know for a fact that there are players on that defense that want to see him in front of them so that they can be making plays. So like, I, I admit it's, it's, it's super confounding to me. I get that he had to get in shape. That part I, I, I follow this last weekend made sense to me because Benson Mayo, I was guessing he was more hurt than they were acknowledging and they were going to need to bring up Stefan Sullivan, which by the way, it is Stefan, even though it's spelled like Steven um, to play defensive end this week. Uh, you got Carlos Dunlap. Um, Mayoa is 
trying to make it back. Um, I, I'm like ready, man. I'm ready to see this guy play. I really am. I, I hope we see him play this week. Um, Evan, I've got a question for you. I got a question for you. So a name showed up on the injury list this week. Um, yesterday, Greg Olson did not practice because of a foot injury. Today, he was limited in practice. So an improvement that generally means he's probably on track to be available. But if Greg Olson was not available, what? how would you feel? Like, Would you be more like nervous about that potential impact to the team? Or would you be more excited about the potential for somebody else to step forward? This is a great setup. I appreciate this one. Uh, we all know I'm a big Will Disley fan. You and I both are. Um, Greg Olson signed a one-year deal. Uh, it sounds like he wants to go into, you know, uh, TV, um, what's the word, commentating uh, after after this one-year deal. I, I do not think it's a big loss. I think uh, Greg Olson had a fairly hot start with the f- with the team, the first couple of games, it seemed like Russ was really leaning on him for big third down conversions and sort of as a safety outlet. But uh, over the past few weeks, he really hasn't been a vital contributor. I feel like to this passing offense, Uh, Will Disley has had several big plays. Um, I just don't think it's a huge loss. I really don't like, you know, the, the trade deadline passed, And I know there was some conversation about whether they would consider moving him, but it's a short answer to your question. I just don't think it's a very big loss. Yeah. I mean, uh, Nathan, one of the things that's interesting to me here, I and mean, we talked about it, I think a little bit, maybe in the chat, but it's interesting that Colby Parkinson came back from injury and they immediately put him on the roster. They could have slow played that. Like there was no reason they had to put him on the roster as soon as they did. I think they had another week at least that they could have, um, kept him off and they, what did they, did they I can't remember. Did they cut Luke Wilson? Yeah. And, yeah. They cut yeah. Luke Wilson. They signed him back to the practice squad or have they done that yet? Not yet. Not yet. So do you think that there's the potential that they have plans to actually work Colby Parkinson into the game plan? Or is that just, you know, I'm looking I don't, I don't know that they could have slow played Parkinson. Like everybody that was on the injury report that was inactive last last week was hurt, right? They would have had to have put a hurt person on the active list over him. I don't well, think he was there on was the a... NFI list, so he wouldn't had he wouldn't they didn't have to take him off the NFI list yet. Is, is my point, right? Like he mm. could have stayed on NFI for a while, but they basically that's true. But at the same time, him. like same argument, right? I mean, they would have. Been, they, they would have then signed somebody else to have on the roster for a week or po- popped up a practice water, which, I mean, you know, they could have done. Um, so I think that probably bodes somewhat well for him, but I probably wouldn't read too much into it at this point. Um, and, you know, I, I also wouldn't completely, like, uh, uh, like, discard the notion that Olsen just being on the field offers something, right? I mean... That, that defenses are going to look at him just a little bit different, that even if he's not connecting with Russ a lot, uh, this is somebody that Russ wanted on the team. He's a vet. He understands a lot of this, right? So, um, you know, I don't know that, like, Parkinson is going to suddenly, like, jump up and, and take his spot anytime soon. 
I don't know, Jeff. I, I have like I, I always love new players. Like new <laughs> players are new opportunity. There's something new there. I've seen enough of Olsen where I'm like, okay, I'm fine that he's on the roster. I don't dislike Greg Olson, but he has not been he's not been the integral part of the offense that I had hoped that he could be. And like a, a like he's not owning the middle of the field and giving defenses something that they have to worry about and making it easier for Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. So I'm all for like Give me more Will Disley and Colby Parkinson. Let's see what that looks like. I don't know. Like, uh... yeah, it just it doesn't seem like the tight end right now is a real big part of their offense. It's not just Olsen. It's really everyone. Like, I think Olsen had like a big game in that Dallas game where he had that, a bunch of third down receptions and that final drive. But other than that, like, Disley's getting like one or two catches a game. Olsen's around there. Hollister maybe gets one target a game. So it just, it doesn't seem, they. it seems like they're going to go heavy on the two wide receivers. Maybe there's a game later in the year where the tight ends are more focused, but I think it's just a good thing to have depth. And with Parkinson, I can see maybe he becomes like a red zone weapon and a guy they can use in situational, he's what, six foot seven. Yep. So he's a guy that if you can kind of come up with some red zone plays for him and you have to cover him and DK and, some of those monsters they have on their team. It's kind of exciting. I don't see them being a big part of their offense because really no tight end is, but there's definitely some things you can do with him that you can't do with any other player on their team because of how big he is. Well, I just think, I think Will Disley has made more of his opportunities than Greg Olson's made of his. I, I, Will Disley has not gotten a lot of opportunities this year, but I think he's, he's done Will Disley things with them. Um, so I, I certainly would be ready to see him get a little bit more. One more, one more name on the injury report I want to call out um, for folks to react to. New name showed up today. Was not on the injury report yesterday. Showed up today as did not practice. So that's not good. Um, David Moore showed up today as did not practice ankle back, ankle slash back. I don't know if his ankle's connected to his back or that's just two to separate injuries or what's going on. But either way, he did not practice. If David Moore doesn't play this weekend – how does that affect the offense? Nathan. Oh, yeah, yeah. Dana's not here, so I just want you all to know that Dana has really bad opinions about this one. <laughs> and I'm here to tell you that it's really bad because Seattle, while Lockett and Metcalf are probably – am I going to go way out, way, out my, uh, way out of line here if I think they're the best duo in the league? I guess Dallas and stuff. We talked about this before. Anyways, very good, right? And and more has shown up, been awesome. They get real thin real fast after that. Dorsett is out. Gordon's not back yet. Uh, and so it's like Freddie Swain and Penny Hart, right? I mean, it gets a little with as much as they want to throw and the way that they've used more in a couple really unique ways, like it, it gets a little dicey there. So uh I, I would say that. One, David Moore being out is is a little scary. And two, uh, they actually should be kind of aggressively looking for somebody to to just be depth, right? I mean, you don't need to go out and make a big move for anybody. And obviously that that that's passed anyway. So they they just probably need a little bit more filler there behind those first three guys. Yeah, and the good thing is you can stash guys on the practice squad now. It doesn't have to be age or games played. 
Like even a guy like Paul Richardson, who they brought in earlier in training camp, like I agree with Nathan, like they are dangerously thin that if one of Lockett or Metcalf get hurt, who steps in? Like, are you comfortable with Freddie Swain? Yeah. John Ursua on the practice. Yeah, he's the guy, right? Like, oh my God. He's the number one call up probably, right? Aaron Fuller is another option on the practice squad. I'm just checking out their practice squad right now. For like they're they're very thin. I, I do agree with Nathan. Yeah, it, it, it's an interesting situation. I, I I would be curious to see how they played that. Um, I hope we don't have to. I'm more bullish on Freddie Swain. I think it gets pretty thin after Freddie Swain. I thought he's done pretty well with his chances, but um, it is something to be aware of. Um, so. I know we're, we're well into it at this point. Uh, let's make sure we take some Patreon questions. If you haven't already, folks, sign up. Patreon.com slash HawkBlogger. Get immediate access to our Slack channel. It's five bucks. What are you waiting for? This is the season to be in. There's plenty of good stuff to talk about. We're there all week. Um, Nathan, one of the benefits of being a patron is that you get to ask them what questions they have. And we're going to take take those questions and answer them today. So um, let's do, let's do our, our, our like rapid fire, you know, one person answers one question approach, see how many we can get through. And Nathan, I'm, I'm impressed. You remember to do it since you've been day drinking all day. I was, I logged into Slack all today all week. Sure. I, I worked I'll, today. <laughs> <laughs> I logged in this. like 10 hours, man. I haven't been day drinking. I, I logged <laughs> and, into Slack uh, and also, by the way, I was pretty hungover yesterday, so I didn't drink <laughs> yesterday either. I'll have you know. Uh, uh, can you drink anyway, every podcast, please? Way off here, Evan. <laughs> Slander. Um, okay, Jeff, I got one for you. Yeah. Uh, Silk wants to know, on a scale of Jimmy G to Russ, how good is Josh Allen? Well, kind of, how do you answer that scale? Um, so what? Russ is a ten, and Jimmy G is what a three? Like, I think I think Jimmy G is a zero in this scale. So okay. in in you know I think the parameters here I, we may be overthinking it, but you know from bottom like worst starter quality to best quarterback that we've ever seen in our lifetime, where would you rank Josh Allen? He is an a above average starter with exciting upside but scary downside so i'd put him like a a seven out of ten how, how would you rate him like relative to deshaun watson he's significantly worse than deshaun watson okay so alan if Kirk you've ever seen him has crazy upside like he could be like ben big ben in his prime he's got the crazy size massive arm but he has incredibly bad accuracy and he, he gets incredibly jumpy around pressure and starts spinning in circles and running around and does some of the crazier, like weird plays you'll ever see in a game. So he is just a, not a traditional quarterback by any means. He runs a lot. His accuracy at the beginning of the year was like in the 70% and everyone's like, okay, he's figured it out in the last four weeks. So half his games, he's become the exact same players last year where he's just over 60%. And he is a very strange quarterback that just is not traditional in any way. It's just he has extremely high highs and extremely low lows. So it's a, it's a roller coaster following him. He's getting better, but 
the last month of the year, you've seen the, the danger of Josh Allen, who was who was like a running joke on Twitter last year. Uh, the advanced football people they love laughing at Josh Allen because his so when he misses, he misses so bad. So it's he's better than Jimmy G because he has that upside, but he's just not a refined player like Watson is. And I think it's important to say he has cooled off in the last several weeks mm-hmm. from that MVP campaign. Yeah, there was a significant difference. His first four games were like he's talked with Russ. His last four games were like Sam Darnold. So it's been pretty high highs and low lows. Just right. a quick aside on that one. Not related to Josh Allen, but Deshaun Watson. How you can have a team with Deshaun Watson that has one win is <laughs> Meet Bill O'Brien. <laughs> it's astounding. And also, one more tangent on that. Seahawks tried to trade for Jacob Martin. Yeah, that one hurts. That hurts on a couple of levels. <laughs> I will never forget how much shit I got within minutes of the clowny trade when I said, oh, they Jacob Martin hurts. And everyone was like, who gives a shit about Jacob Martin? And I'm like, you can make <laughs> about that. Wasn't the- now everyone's like, who gives a shit about Clowney? He's bad. Rah. Anyways, Wasn't- all right, all right. Moving on, moving on. We're not petty. Uh, um, all right, Brian. Russell Wilson's hair drip wants to know, do you think uh, DJ Dallas has done enough to move up on the running back depth chart? I don't. I don't. And I'm a huge DJ Dallas fan. In fact, I've been among the chief, you know, critics of Travis Homer saying that DJ Dallas should be getting his snaps. I, I still think he is a more dynamic playmaker for sure than Travis Homer and probably than Carlos Hyde. What gave me pause about DJ Dallas last week was he he did not do well in short yardage situations or when there wasn't a hole to run in. He basically went lateral and made himself incredibly easy to tackle and did not get the yardage that was there. So I I, I would hope this week we see him attack the line of scrimmage a little bit more aggressively um, when at the goal line in short yardage and not go laterally. So that to me was a, at least a yellow flag. Um you know, he cannot be dancing laterally uh, in this offense. He's got to be able to take the, take the yardage that's there. So uh, that's my, I think a lot of people thought he did really well. I thought he did. Le- he did not do as well as I would have hoped. I had higher expectations. All right. Evan, Professor Crockett wants to know a uh, two-parter here. Can Dwayne Brown play forever? And... Uh, <laughs> Is uh, is Brandon Shell a long term investment? Will they sign him long term, or are they going to shuffle there? It's a really good question. First of all, Dwayne, or two questions, I guess. Dwayne Brown is. I just want to confirm his age before I misspeak. Thirty five years old. Andrew Whitworth is thirty eight. Thirty eight or thirty nine with the Rams and played at like an All Pro level the past couple of years. Uh, I don't remember the specific wording of the first question because I'm a little bit drunk, but uh, yes, Dwayne Brown can play for many years to come. I actually think uh, he's somebody they should consider extending on another two, three year deal type of situation. Um, Brandon shell has been one of the biggest surprises of this, uh, of this season, frankly. And uh, Brian, you, me, Maybe Jeff, maybe Nathan are happy to say uh, we're eating big time crow on this one. And it's uh, 
it's awesome to say that like this is <laughs> we really did not have high expectations for Brandon Shell. We were I, I, I think the specific wording was Jermaine Ifedi, but without the penalties. So obviously he's completely outperformed those expectations. I do think Brandon Shell is somebody you uh, look at extending uh, beyond 2021 because he is signed to a two year deal. Uh, it's like two years, 10 million or 11 million, something like that. So the Seahawks did, you know, uh, get him under, uh, under, uh, under lock for 2021. So I think something it's something you consider for sure. All right. Jay Brandt has a question for me and it's uh, what have I been drinking today? Uh, and again, I have not been drinking all day. If anyone <laughs> from works work happens to watch this, I waited until six o'clock. I did not drink at all today. I promise mm. you. I was, I cannot promise that I was 100% focused on work all day, but I was not drinking. But uh, I, I'm drinking a Bib and Tucker uh, bourbon, which is pretty good. Uh, and then he wants to know if me or Evan have slept more than 10 hours since Tuesday night. I have, but it's a been combined or or per like night. A combined. Yeah. An hour sleep. Yeah. 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 I, 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 it's mine's been fitful, but I have definitely slept more. What are you at? Like, like sleep-wise? I don't know. Yeah, like combined hours, like over the past two nights. I'm sleep training a not even two-year-old, so I have not slept a ton, that's for sure. But uh, I, I've definitely slept probably like, I don't know, 18 at least. I'm getting at least Jesus, you slept more than me. I've probably slept like 14, frankly. Wow. Okay. Uh, all right, uh, Jeff, uh, kind of along the same question as the uh, DJ Dallas question, has Alton Robinson done enough to earn more snaps when Dunlap and – uh Benson are active I do think he has and one of the running things on our thread and we get upset every week before last week is like why isn't this guy getting more snaps they're playing so many low ceiling players he's one of the few guys who when he does get chances shows something so I think especially with Mayo banged up and they're easing in a new player Dunlap I think he has earned more snaps I think he looked pretty good as a rusher. I think he looked good as a defensive lineman. And this first game with like major snaps was against a team that throws a lot at you from the scheme perspective, 49ers, they throw a lot of confusing looks at you and he handled it pretty well. Like he didn't look like an all pro or a pro bowler or something, but he looked like an NFL player and compared to some of the guys they've been trotting out, that's a big upgrade. And so, yeah, I want to see guys with players with high ceilings. So I, I do think he deserves more playing time. Okay. Last two. Um, and I'll kind of just throw these out here. The first one, I, I think I know the answer from everyone. Uh, Killian wants to know, is DK Metcalf the best all-around player on the Hawks? Uh, I think for me, I can't get a, I can't get behind saying he's the best all-around player. Um, he might be one of the best players, uh, but w- whatever he is, is, I would not describe him as a like all-around player quite yet. He is extremely good at what he does, and he is learning a lot and getting better at a lot of other things, but I don't know. Does anyone disagree? Is is do you see DK as a particularly well-rounded player at this point? Well, you no. got to say who you, you think is the best. If you, you like, like, is that including Russ or no? Yeah. Eliminate the quarterback position because yeah, oh, eliminate Russ quarterback because is... I, I mean, I assume you start with Russ. Well, you start yeah. with Russ. I was going to say clearly the best, but let's player. eliminate the quarterback position. It's a better. Discussion. So I think I think there's probably Jason Myers then, right? Yes, got it. Agreed. Actually, there's a question in here from uh, Jonathan Taylor. He wants to know, Evan, if you cried when Jason Myers missed that kick. 
when he made his first mistake of the year. Yeah, when he no, when he no no I no I did not and like torpedoed his percentage to like he's at fifty percent now because he's only kicked like two balls all year. Nathan, you're a coward. First of all, no, I did not cry when he made his first mistake of the year. Okay, so best all around player on the team. If you throw out Russ, to me it's Dwayne Brown, Jamal Adams, and however good you still think Bobby is. Ooh, I think KJ is up there. I'd take. <laughs> no, your face. KJ's an X tier. We're talking about DK. Are you really putting KJ on the level of DK? You wanna, you wanna, you wanna call this dude Megatron? You're giving me KJ, crap day in and day KJ out about Calvin Johnson. So... KJ, we're not talking KJ? enough about KJ. Oh my god, he's been playing so well for ongoing like two years. Like still, he really no, has. still like all around player. I'm not talking still, like the DK best in one area. All pro at his position. KJ, like, is a solid veteran, like, good player. Like, wait a second. Who's the best receiver on this team? So that's the other question. Like, is he even the best receiver on the team? Yes. He's definitely not the best all around receiver on this He's team. He's not the best all around receiver on this team. Tyler Lockett is absolutely a better all around receiver. I would absolutely. agree with that. Because Lockett is amazing. On yeah, the deep Lockett, stuff. Lockett does not get nearly enough attention. Yeah, I think Lockett does pretty much everything well. But like, um, yeah, the keywords are all around. Yeah, and I think Jamal Adams is probably the right. Jamal Adams is pr- definitely the best all-around player. Yeah. Well, be yeah, nice I mean, to know again, that for edge, sure, wouldn't an it? edge player, an edge rusher. Well, he was hurt. Also, he like, had a groin injury. Like, it's not his fault. I know. I just want to see the guy on the field making a difference because we or Ethan Posick might be <laughs> come on all I right Posick Posick is actually underrated we should be talking more about him but I don't know that he Not checks that all around box okay last one last one last one I thought this was really interesting because I think your gut reaction is going to be different than what it is when you think about it for a second Raxon Kendall asks do the Seahawks draft a tight end in this year's draft well do they have any picks left <laughs> yes they have a few um, they should anybody anybody think does anybody feel strongly yes i think the gut is kind of no right or that it's low priority you know hollister maybe not a long-term player on this team olsen obviously older disley has been uh good this year but has not been what he was and who knows what parkinson is so this is a team that wants to run some multi-tight end sets right obviously they felt strong enough about having tight end depths that they paid olsen a lot to come in and play alongside disley so to me it's not crazy but i have a hard time thinking it'll be any kind of a real priority for yeah, them that's right i agree yeah cool all right that that, that uh covers it Thank you, patrons. Uh, you can get your own question asked and answered. Join over at patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Five bucks, get you in. Immediate access to Slack channel. And let's talk about the Bills for a bit. Yeah, I was going to say, we probably should talk about the Bills game. Yeah, the chat's like, guys, come on. There's a game this week. So so 10 a.m. game. Seahawks have done very well. Eastern time, 10 a.m. games. This is the first time they've played in Buffalo since 2008. I was at that game. They played, they, they played in 2012 in Toronto. I was at that game. Me as well. Um, and I, it's hard for How'd me. How'd that game go? What's that? How'd that game go? Oh, it was awesome. So well. Yeah, did it go pretty good? Yeah, they won like 50 to 17. It was one of the biggest blowouts of this era. Like just a total beatdown. It was so good. Russell was so good that day. Um, yeah. But 
I do remember the 2008 game when Marshawn Lynch ran for like a 25 yard touchdown against us. Uh, when yeah, that game sucked. That was not so good. I was at um, that game. It was horrible. So, so let's just start with this, guys. Um, how good are the Bills? They're six and two. Seahawks are six and one. Josh Allen was an MVP candidate four weeks into the season. He certainly is not that right now. Um, are you guys going into this game, are you feeling confident? Are you feeling like nervous? Like, give me your assessment of, of like where the Bills rank relative to the teams that the Seahawks have played so far. And Jeff, you are the resident expert proximity wise, just being close. Yeah. You have They're to be a local team. Member. So tell, tell us what we should be expecting this weekend. So they, the Bills are the local team where I live in Toronto. I feel like you turn on the radio here or you turn on the TV on a Sunday, they're always on. So I know a lot about that team. I used to actually cover them prior to joining this blog. I covered the Bills for like three years, but the whole, no one is left from that team. So I answer your question. They're a team going into the year that I thought was going to be like one of the harder opponents on their schedule. And they started, I believe, 4-0. But over the last month, They've become a very different team than I would have thought. They were so good defensively last year. There, I know Nathan was very like big on the job Sean McDermott was doing, who's one of the more popular coaches around the league. Sean McDermott is a fantastic coach. Brian Dable, they have a great offense coordinator. The thing that's been so surprising about them is they were stacked defensively last year. One of the better defenses in the league. They were a playoff team. I think Evan pointed out in the chat this week, but I think they're 29th in the NFL and DVOA on defense. 24. So their defense, 20, what is it? 24. 24. Their defense has been really disappointing. They loaded up their defensive line. They have two good young linebackers. Their safeties are usually good, but they've had injury issues. Their defensive line hasn't been very good, and they're getting crushed in the run game. So they've been very, very disappointing defensively, and you combine that from a team that Josh Allen's been – really high and then really low they're not the team everyone quite thought they were and there's a they have a negative point differential they're negative one i believe this year where like miami is plus 58 a lot of team a lot of people around the league think they're sort of frauds so they have a great receiving core they have some talented players but as a team they don't look like that stout tough hard-nosed team that everyone thought they would Well, I mean, so you're saying that signing Quentin Jefferson didn't solve all their defensive problems? All right, let's Quentin go. Quentin Jefferson is absolutely going to destroy the Seahawks offensive line. On oh, Denver. come on. Destroy. He'll have two sacks. Come on. He'll have two you sacks. You mean Lewis will have to retire after this game? He'll be so embarrassed by what? That was one of the worst offseason moves by the Seahawks, but we can, we can move past that. Uh, Jeff, are you concerned at all? about their receiver group, John Brown, Stefan Diggs, uh, Cole Beasley. I know you mentioned them briefly. I'm just curious. Yeah, that's, absolutely. I'm concerned about every receiver group that plays the Seahawks this year. Cause of how bad <laughs> Even though they're coverage. going up against the best secondary in the NFL. Mm. <laughs> well, we, we kind of missed on that one, but yeah, the strength of their team absolutely is re- receivers. Diggs has been way better than people thought considering he went to like, an inaccurate quarterback. Cole Beasley is a really good route runner, good in the slot. And John Brown, when he plays, has made a big difference for them. The splits with him in and out are pretty significant. So, yeah, not the defense. The strength of this team this year has not been the running game as well. It's been the receiving core. So, absolutely, I'm concerned. And absolutely, why getting Jamal back and having the Shaq Griffin doesn't look like he's going to play. So, 
No it's another Trey Flowers game. So yeah, that, if there's one way for them to beat us, that's the way. Do you guys do you guys put any like stock in the fact that they swapped Trey Flowers and Quentin Dunbar last week? So Trey was playing his normal side of the field that he played last year as a starter, as opposed to the rest of the season he's been playing the opposite side. Um, and that over the last two weeks of the season, it's only two weeks, but it's two weeks of him starting. He is the sixth ranked cornerback in the NFL, according to PFF. Do you think that I'm not saying he's the sixth best corner? You know, I don't think that's the case. But do you put any stock in the fact that maybe, you know, he's he's finding some footing that he can be less than a total liability on the field? Nathan, I saw you smirking. So what do you think? I'm smirking about something very unrelated. Okay. Um, no, because I don't think that last week was a particularly um, challenging outing for him. He, he may very well have played at that level. Uh, but, I mean, who was he even lining up against? Like, I literally don't even remember. Like, Dante Pettis, who got cut this week? Or, like, I mean... So we need more time before we, I mean, this is a guy that we've seen just absolutely thrashed for like going all the way back to that Packers game. And, and I think probably before that, I don't think any of us were particularly high on him. Uh, so no, I, I think we need to see a lot more before we start to get confident in Trey Flowers. All right. I don't know if I totally you sound agree. so defeated. <laughs> What's that? You sound You're suddenly so on the Trey bandwagon? No, I'm not certainly not on the Trey bandwagon, but um, I thought he played well last week. I don't think it mattered who he was. I, I thought that he is a guy who has made any player look good. He's been that bad. Last week, he was breaking on the ball and making plays at the time that the ball got there. He looked more competent and more confident. So do I think he's turned the corner? No, but do I have like more reason to be hopeful than I did before last week? Yeah, I absolutely do. Um, so I think this is a very tough matchup. Both of these receivers are amazing route runners and they're quick. And that is not, that is not what he's necessarily built for. So I don't know. We'll see. I, I am curious. I'm curious to see JJ Reed against Cole Beasley. Um, you know, it does not look like Ugo Amadi is going to make it back this week. So uh, Evan Evans, you know, whining about needing to go to sleep because he's so tired. And- so late. Such it's 1005 right now. Such a wuss. So so we gotta kind of get into it a little bit further before we let him retire. Um uh is this a game you expect the Seahawks to win? We're not gonna get into predictions quite yet, but like I don't get the sense that any of you are nervous about this game. This is a six and two Bills team on the road. Are any of you nervous about this game? Not to say that they couldn't lose, but like I don't get the sense that any of you are nervous about this game. It just kind of depends what Bills team we get, frankly. Like they feel like a very inconsistent team on both sides of the football. It really depends on what Josh Allen we get on Sunday. I mean, would you guys disagree? Like if we get the MVP, Josh Allen, the dual threat, you know, run, run, runner passer, then yeah, we could be in for a really tough game, but who knows? As as the, the Seahawks offense and, you know, obviously the Seahawks defense, like I think if the Seahawks offense goes out there and puts up another 34 plus point game, 
I don't think the Bills are gonna. I'm not. I, I don't think the Bills are a team that are gonna put up that kind of points. Just, yeah. to, just to be clear, we are currently consistent in our weather projections. We are 65 degrees and sunny for Sunday, which bodes well for Russell Wilson. So Perfect weather. And Nathan, you're last, wrong, but continue. The last two games the Bills have played, they did not score a single touchdown against the Jets who have maybe the worst team in the NFL. They did, I watched a lot of that game. They they struggled. They they should have lost to the Jets. And they barely beat the Cam Newton team. I know we did too, but that team now, New England, who's missing all their receivers, Cam Newton fumbled inside the 10-yard line. That was a game they should have lost as well. So maybe the Bills deserve some credit for stealing these games. They probably didn't play very well. But just watching them the last two weeks, they don't – they look very underwhelming. They – Maybe I'm over living in the moment, but I was very unimpressed with how they played in both those games. Yeah, I, I, I also like feel like Jamal Adams and Carlos Dunlap are not insignificant additions. And Jamal uh, knows the Bills, man. He played them twice a year. He did. He was a Jet for all those times. So let's go ahead and do our, our predictions. We'll go around, around the room here. Um, and, and, uh, Nathan, let's start with you. Uh, I, I always like coming to you first cause you say you're never prepared. So, um, that's intentional. So what's your expectation of, of how this game goes? What's the, what's the score of this game? Uh, I don't know that this is going to be much different than a lot of the games that we've seen so far. So I'm, I'm I think it's going to be a little bit, lower scoring than like maybe that Dallas game or something like that. But I, I think it's going to be like 31, 28 Seahawks. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's like a lot of these games, like I said, you know, where maybe Seattle is up like 31, 17, and then, you know, they, they do their normal fourth quarter, whatever <laughs> it is they do in the fourth quarter and give up points and make it a little closer than it probably should be. Jeff. Yeah. I'm, I'm around the same. I'm going to go 34-27, Seattle. I think it's a game that Seattle is going to be leading and they get it a little too close at the end. They get within one touchdown and we're all freaking out, but I think they are able to pull it out. I just – I watched them play against two of the worst offenses in the NFL and the Jets and the Patriots, and they were right hanging on by a threat in those games. To go against maybe the number one or number two offense in the NFL – they just – they don't have a good second corner. I don't think they can match up with Seattle. And this is a game before the year I probably thought was an automatic loss. So I'm going a pretty comfortable win for the Seahawks. Yeah, I, I think the story of Sunday will be Seattle's defense. They've got Jamal Adams coming back. They've got snacks. Uh, you know, potential – I don't think Rasheem Green is technically coming back this Sunday. He will come but, back. Or yeah. he will be officially? Yeah, Saturday okay. they, should, they should activate him. Okay. Uh, yeah, they've got some reinforcements coming. I think uh, it's a pretty big deal, especially Jamal Adams. I think this is actually going to be the first low-scoring low game of the season. I could see this being like 20-10 to 10 Seahawks. I don't think uh, the Bills are going to score a lot of points on this Seahawks defense. I think it's going to be a, a step forward for them. That's a fascinating prediction, actually. Like, I don't see that at all. So so this will be a, a good test to see how, how we're seeing things. But I think the Seahawks offense is is in a zone. I mean, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Russell Wilson. I think I think they are gain, gaining confidence and gaining momentum. And I don't see the Bills' best 
the, the the best thing the Bills have to offer is a pass rush, and the Seahawks' offensive line has been excellent. So, I think there's I think there's points to be scored here for sure for the Seahawks. And in fact, I also think there's turnovers to be taken from Josh Allen and the Bills. So, I think this is not going to be close. I think this is going to be 38-17 Seahawks. I think it's going to be Seahawks have scored under 31 points once this year. And that was 27 points in the rain after scoring zero points in the first half against the Vikings. I think the Seahawks team scores at least in the mid thirties. So yeah, I think this is going to be, I think this is going to be a really positive game for the Seahawks. I'm super interested to see how Carlos Dunlap plays. Uh, very eager to see Jamal Adams back and guys I'm hoping that <laughs> this is a big hope. I'm hoping Ken Norton doesn't go crazy with the blitzes. Like, like they had some success last week, utilize it. It's fine. It's good, but don't make it 70% of your play calls and, and expect the secondary to hold up. Cause that's just going to be a nightmare. I mean, that's just going to leave John Brown and, and Stefan Diggs with serious challenges for the secondary. So Anyway, man, I, th- I think it's going to be a good, uh, good weekend for the Seahawks. Uh, and then we got to get the Rams after that. So um, we're, we're in the middle of this five game gauntlet for the Seahawks. They are one and one. We all had our predictions about what we wanted them to do. Um, generally speaking, we all wanted them at least to go four and one um, three and two is the low bar. So this is the hump game um, in Buffalo. So, Anything else you guys wanted to cover before we uh, sign off and let Evan get his beauty sleep? It won. Well, we had a couple of super chat donations, but Killian asked a question about whether DK was the best all around player. He made a super chat donation and said that his question was a little misunderstood. And he wants to know if we switch DK to the other side of the ball, would he still play at the same level? We just lost Evan. He just dropped off in the middle of my question. That's so incredibly rude. Wow. Wow. I got to go to sleep. Okay, fine. Do you think that DK would you play DK at corner if you switch him to defense? And do you think he'd be just as good? Would he be Richard Sherman good? Could you coach him up? I think yes, right? We all agree. Yes, he'd at least be Richard Sherman good. I don't believe he'd be Richard Sherman. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. Pretty good though. Pretty good. I think he'd be pretty good. Um, I like I I don't know. I like him more at, at like defensive end or something like that. I'd probably leave him at receiver. He seems all right there. Yeah, let's keep them there. I wouldn't. I wouldn't break what's not or uh, fix what's not broken. Yes. All right. Anything else? So I'm interested in your thoughts on this. Uh, Danny O'Neill wrote an article today that Pete should be coach of the year because of the switch to the pass-first offense and his role in that. Is, is that crazy talk, or is it something that uh, Nathan's been saying we should be doing this for years? Should he be credited for that, or is this something that was just totally obvious? It's a great question. I think he gets credit for it. Why wouldn't he? I mean, it's, uh, yes, he should have been doing this for a long time, but he's he's a very old man, and it's like it's not a small thing. I I don't mean that like it's a joke, but like I mean, really though, he he has been doing something a certain way for a long time, and it, you got to give him a lot of credit for changing. And maybe he should have done it a couple of years ago, but like to do it at all. I mean, we see a lot of coaches that. Uh, that are very, very stubborn. So I would give him a ton of credit for it. And the team is great right now. Like Tomlin should be in there. He's not a front runner by any means, but I think he's in the conversation at least. Yeah. I I saw he said an interesting tidbit the other day in his press conference where 
said he consulted with Marv Levy in the off season and Marv Levy kind of invented this path, even though Marv Levy's super old. He's probably like 83 He's now. like the only coach that's alive that's older yeah. than Carroll. But Marv Levy invented that like K-Gun, like pure pass first offense yeah. that the Bills were dominant with. So I found that kind of cool, but I don't know if Marv can put together a sentence anymore. Like he's got to be like in his 80s. I love the idea that Carol changed by going to the, like the only older coach who's older than him. And was like, <laughs> oh, look at this revolutionary thought. All right. How old is Marv? I got to look this up. For coach of the year. I, for me, like the guy I've been most impressed with. Oh my God, Marv's 95. I would say he's a lot older than 80. That Super dude's old. ancient. Um, I think Brian Flores is like the guy that I'm most impressed with the coaching job he's done so far this year with the talent he's got on the roster in Miami. Yeah, I don't know that he'll win enough to get it. Although he should, I agree. he should be. He in the should. He's awesome. Yeah. So who else? Who else is in the running? You said Tomlin. Why the hell would Tomlin win it? He's got a good roster. I don't see. I mean, yes, they're winning a lot of games, but like, I mean, that's a lot of times what it comes down to. I, mean, I hate that way of looking at Coach Deer. You're right. That is how they often vote. But like, shouldn't it be like who's making the most of the talent that they've got? Like. Like who is it? I'm looking. Yeah, but like even even you know if they end up going like 14 or two or something like that's a great job. Even if you got you were handed a great team, right? I mean, uh, the Packers coach, um, Arians will probably get some love. What? Bills coach. Yeah, McDermott. McDermott. If they can, McDermott is a a very good coach. Yeah, a very good coach. I mean, all these teams are talented though. If if the 49ers hadn't been so injured or, or like a little bit less injured and kept on there, I would have said Shanahan's. In the yeah. Back. Before last week, he was gaining a lot of that talk, but I think that's gone now. Yeah. Rabel. I think Rabel will get love. Yeah. For Rabel, yeah. They're, yeah. They're starting to fizzle a bit, but maybe the Cardinals coach, uh, Cliff. Yeah. yeah I'm interested to see how they finish the year. Yeah. A lot of these teams you got to see, like there's a lot of season left on this, right? It's not ridiculous to say that Pete should be in the running for that. I I think there's been some years, I think he's done more with less, but, but uh, yeah, uh, it's an interesting question. All right, everybody, let's let you uh, get back to whatever you're watching. I'm sure we can guess. Um, Have a great night. Uh, If you haven't already clicked subscribe, click the bell icon. So you get uh, notified when we go live. And uh, join over at patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Hope to see you over there, see you in the Slack channel, and uh, take care, everybody.